Several of you told me this morning that uh, you did pray for Miles to be potty trained, and uh, I prayed the same thing this morning, and I'm sure my mom and my stepdad who are with him back in Arkansas appreciate those prayers this morning as well. Uh, and they are very much a part of that process. They act, he does better with them than he does with us, and I'm sure that's probably true in a lot of cases with a lot of us that have raised kids and are raising kids, is sometimes an outside source is way better than mom and dad at accomplishing some of that. I think it's because they, they don't put up with anything. They're no nonsense. But uh, before we get rolling with what we're going to do today, um, really briefly, and I promise, really briefly, I just want to kind of recap a little bit of last night. So last night we talked about that marriage was not our idea, it was not man's idea, it was God's idea from the very beginning. Uh, and we know that, of course, in the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, then he breathes life into dust and makes man, then he cuts man's side open, takes out his bride to give him a helpmate, somebody to do life with, um, his number one neighbor, his number one other, and uh, what a blessing that is most of the time, like Jackie said. And then we even talked about what, what, is, what is the real marriage for a Christian. The real marriage is Revelations 19.7, where it says that the bride, us, the bride of Christ, has made herself, both men and women, ready for the bridegroom, which is Jesus. So even though this marriage on earth is a picture, a foreshadowing of the marriage that really matters, our relationship with Jesus Christ, um, it can either be a blessing or it can be a big pain in the rear, right? Uh, and Jackie and I talked about that last night, how we uh, can love each other really well at times and then we can really get under each other's skins. We can really be a blessing to each other, an encouragement to the other person. Uh, even if you think about the analogy that Jackie used last night with Ephesians chapter 5, uh, when a woman, uh, when a wife willingly puts herself under the leadership of the husband and the husband is loving his wife like Christ loved the church. Remember, that's a perfect love. Uh, any men in the room attained that yet? Your wife, well, let's ask the wives. Has anyone, your husband has attained uh, perfect love yet? Uh, probably not, but that's what we're going for. And again, Jackie and I even talked about this when we got back to uh, James and Kara's last night. Um, how cool it is when, when Jackie does that and when I'm striving to love her the way Christ loved, loved the church, that as Jackie grows in her walk with the Lord, it, it pushes me up in my walk with the Lord as well. And when we as husbands are chasing after Jesus, and again, the words we used last night, John 15, 5, when we're abiding, remember Jesus said, I am the, the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me will bear much fruit. Um, and again, we didn't exegete that passage of scripture, but for simple language for us, when we're hanging out with Jesus, when we're sitting at his feet, I think of it this way, when we're being Mary's versus Martha's, um, Jesus does something in us that becomes undeniable to the world and to our spouse. So they begin to see us bearing that fruit, taking on the characteristics of Christ. And as we do that, we grow in our walk with him. And in doing that, we grow in our marriage. So that is a super fast, quick overview of, of last night. But again, I love the way James kind of ended it last night by, by summarizing everything we did last night. If every man in this room will just do what God tells us to do in marriage and outside of marriage. So in Ephesians chapter 5, but all of the other things that give us marching orders for life. And if every lady in the room would do the same thing, you would have a better marriage. And you guys are going to have some awesome breakout sessions here in about 30 minutes that's going to give you tools and give you feet to walk that out. 
But again, what, what Jackie and I were, are trying to do this weekend is just give you an overarching view of what, what does the Scripture say to all men? What does the Scripture say to all women? And if there were single people here, we probably wouldn't change a whole lot because the marching orders don't change. It's the same deal. You, you want to marry a godly lady one day or you want to marry a godly man one day? Be a godly man. Be a godly woman. Uh, love Jesus with your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus will do something in you that won't, you, you'll not be able to deny it. And the world won't be able to deny it. And all these things are great principles in this room, in a church, when we're all kind of in a safe place and there's nobody outwardly fighting. Um, you may have fought all the way here, and that's Satan's plan, so just know you're normal. She tried to fight with me last <laughs> night, but I wasn't having and, it. And that's part of it. Like, I'm Italian-Irish, and we are very vocal with our words. And so when I got married, um, I mean, I, fighting is what you do. Like, I want to feel all the feels of being angry, and then I just want to be like, lash out, lash out. Um, and then he's just like, I don't know what to do with this. And so then he hides because he's scared. And so um, so we had to learn a lot about how we're going to interact with each other because the way my family interacts and communicates, which I thought was perfectly normal, to him was not normal at all. And the way that they ignore and deny that anything is wrong to me was like, you're in denial. Like, this is not healthy. And he's like, this is what we do. We pretend like everything's okay. And so... Um, so, we gave you a big, good picture yesterday, which some of you are like, that's awesome, but you don't live in my house, and you don't live with my person, and those are great principles, but that's never going to work here. And so, we want to kind of give you some stuff today that helps you know, like, when I get caught being human, which is every day, um, what do we do then? Like, what do we do when we're not really great, or how do we handle that, or when I need him to change because I'm doing so wonderful, mm -hmm. what do I do with all of this that you've given us? So that's kind of where we're going to go today. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say, and we'll roll with today, is we did ask the question last night, so what are we doing this for? What's the purpose? If it's all about Revelation 19.7, then, then what are we doing? Well, we're, we're part of each other's sanctification process. The, the idea of becoming more like Christ. We're helping each other. And think about Ephesians chapter 5 last night. There's a, there's a part in there where it says we're going to present our bride. We're going to present our spouse um, to the Father. And Jackie said last night she, she hopes that on that day when we're standing before the Lord, and we know that we, we read the passage last night out of Matthew, there is no marriage in heaven except for our marriage with Christ. But how cool will it be if, if we get to be there? So Jackie is standing before Jesus, and maybe I'm just within an earshot of it, and I get to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. If with integrity I can know in that moment, man, I did everything I could do to get her ready to hear that, and vice versa. She, to be able to hear Jesus say that to me, and to be able to know that we, we played our part, and we played our part well, we we played our position and we played it well um, would be would be the goal that's the goal for Jackie and I that's what we're trying trying to do so today we're going to put a whole lot more shoes to it and uh, the first thing we're going to talk to you about is the thing that probably has changed our marriage more than anything in 22 years of marriage um, and you're like yeah we already know his name's Miles Miles has changed our life and he has changed our marriage there's no doubt and he has made us more like Jesus than any other thing but what has helped our marriage more than anything is prayer and uh, yeah I know yeah, like, big, yeah thought it was more spiritual yeah stuff. yeah more spiritual stuff um, 
But we're, we're going to tell you kind of how we do that. And, and here I'm going to try to tell a, a pretty long story short. So Jackie and I find ourselves at a conference like this back when we were uh, in youth ministry. And the guy that was speaking uh, asked, the, there were 60 youth pastors in the room. And he, he said, I don't want you to lie. I want you to tell the truth. How many of you guys pray for your wives every day? And he's like, don't raise your hands yet. Out loud. You pray for your wife to where she can hear you every day out loud. 60 youth pastors in the room. One guy raised his hand. And he was in his 60s. I was like, yeah, he's the wisest guy in the room. And uh, the, guy, the guy speaking said, don't beat yourself up too bad because he said, I'm going to teach you all how to do this today and we're all going to start doing it today. That was about eight or nine years ago and Jackie and I have been doing it ever since because this man gave us permission. He said, you know, everybody thinks that because you're in ministry, you do all these things and you never fail at it and you're awesome at it and you're perfect at it. And he goes, but we all know that that's just not true. You're, you're, you struggle with the same thing that every other person on the planet struggles with, every other man on the, the planet struggles with. And he said, you know, probably you don't want to pray out loud for your wife because you're embarrassed because you're thinking, well, she heard me slam my hand in the car door and use the Lord's name in vain. And now I'm supposed to be the spiritual leader and be like, let's go to the Father. Uh, you know, Jesus, you know what I mean? We, so we feel hypocritical, just like everybody else feels hypocritical. And he said, it's okay. Your wife already knows that you're human. She already knows that you struggle with what you struggle with. She already knows that you're not perfect. So just go ahead and say, hey, I'm not perfect, but we serve the one who is, and he's the only one who can help us, so let's go to him. And he, he described a... a a prayer where every day we would have the opportunity to do that and Jackie and I have been doing that for the last eight or nine years and what we do is every morning after we both get ready for work and we're about to leave the house I usually leave a little bit before her we meet at the back door of our kitchen that goes into the garage and we just grab hands or we, we wrap our arms around each other and I say a sentence or two prayer over her something like dear Jesus right now I just lift Jackie up to you God, you know that she's got a lot on her plate today at work and with life and with miles. Lord Jesus, would you keep her safe as she's on the, the roads today in her vehicle? Bless her life tremendously. Amen. And then she says up here, Jesus, help Keith not to be stupid today. In Jesus' name, amen. It could be literally, it could be for real that simple, that easy, but it's made a huge difference. Why? Because every day I get to hear my wife talk to Jesus for me. And she gets to hear me talk to Jesus for her. The other thing it does is it kind of lets the other person know, hey, they were paying attention when I was talking about that business meeting that I have today, or uh, she was paying attention when I told her that, you know, I've got to go ask Pastor Floyd for more money today for my budget, or, you know, whatever. And she'll pray specifically that way, and, uh, and I try to do the same thing. But what it really does is it sinks our marriage. It sinks our marriage. So let me encourage you, as that man encouraged us, if you're not doing that, start to do it today. And of course, Jackie and I prayed about big things. In our, we pray about miles all of the time. We pray for our son who's in college all of the time, out loud where the other person can hear. And we pray over meals, like probably most of you do. This, I'm asking you to take a step beyond that. Would you begin to pray a prayer of blessing over your spouse where they can hear you every day? And I'm tell, I mean, I'm just telling you, um, it really did change every aspect of mine and Jackie's marriage. It really did. Well, and here's, so it seeks your marriage because what you're doing every day is you're, you're choosing, you're choosing to step into that Ephesians 5. I'm choosing to submit to my husband. I'm letting him rise up as a spiritual leader. 
um, we're saying a prayer. It's not a quiet time. Like, I do that by myself. I don't need you to have a quiet time when I just close my eyes. Like, it's literally just us reminding ourselves that we have a war going on around us, and we're choosing to fight this war in the spiritual realm. And so we say, we, we pray for each other, and then we go about our days. But there's two more parts to this prayer. So there's three parts to it. You pray together the out together loud every part. day, very quick, very simple. Um, and then the second thing is when during my day when I'm having my quiet time or when I'm just, you know, praying for my people and my day, then um, I pray two things for my husband. Um, as a spouse, you know your spouse's weaknesses. Like, you know that thing you can do, that look you can give them, that, that's going to really kind of push their buttons. And we believe that God gives you that knowledge of your, of your spouse, not to use it against them, but to stay in the gap for them. You know their weaknesses. And so the, the first thing I pray for Keith is for his weaknesses, those areas that I know that he's working on, that the Holy Spirit's working on him. And I give those um, to God and I ask God, like I stay in the gap almost like a, an Aaron with Moses and I keep his hands raised so that he can have victory in those areas. And then the second thing I pray for is his walk with Christ because um, I don't know if your marriages are like this, but usually when one of us is like doing really well, the other one is doing really, really bad. It's like we are on this teeter-totter and we're pretty much not on the same page all the time. Um, but that's what this relationship is. That's the beauty of it. Just like your personalities are probably exact opposite, which was really fun when you're dating. <laughs> it's really not fun when you're married. You're like, that thing that you used to do that I thought was so cute, it's not so cute anymore. Like, when are you going to stop that part? Um, and so, so this relationship, it pushes a lot of buttons in you. And so, um, so you pray for their, your spouse's weaknesses and you pray for their walk with Jesus. And then the third thing that you every day pray for is you speak words of forgiveness to Jesus about your spouse, those things that you're struggling with. Um, and we're going to talk about forgiveness. You'll probably talk about that in a minute. But one thing, I, I have a hard time trusting um, anyone, which was part of my problem with Jesus. Um, so people who have a hard time trusting usually have a hard time forgiving. Because once you give your trust, if it's broken, which it's going to be, forgiving is really difficult. And so what I've learned is I have to keep my heart in a soft in, like keep my heart tender and stay in a posture of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a, I'm sorry, because like Keith would say, I'm sorry if I was mad, not because he's sorry, because he doesn't want any conflict. Like he mm -hmm. thinks I'm sorry is the magic word to get out of conflict. And I'm like, no, 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 no. No, she would say, <laughs> what are you sorry for? And then I knew I was really in trouble because I had no idea what I was sorry for. <laughs> I could just tell she was mad, so I was like, hey, I'm sorry. And she's like, no, you're not. And I was like, yeah, no, I really am. <laughs> and she said, why? Why are you sorry? Okay, you, you talk now, you know. So, so that's part of the learning process of marriage and how to work through that stuff. But what I learned is I, if I just continue to speak forgiveness in those areas that seem to always want to rise back up that I just have a hard time with, that it keeps my heart in a posture of forgiveness um, another thing that we do often, so that's the three parts of prayer. The other thing that we do that's sort of in that same space is we continually, you know, I've never been married to the same person for 22 years before. Like, I don't know how to do this and not get tired of you. So you have to just, like, give you some grace in that space. And we encourage our, like, young married couples, like, your first year of marriage, say that as much as you can. I've, I've never, never been, been a wife yeah, before. I've never I don't been know married what to do. Before. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah I mean, that so, sh you should say that, like, every other day, that first year of marriage, because it's true. You, you never have been married before. You don't know what it's like 
to sleep in the same bed for 365 days with the same person. You've or never been, or, or on the couch. Uh, you've, never, you've never shared a bathroom before, most likely, with somebody of the opposite sex. So uh, th that should be something you say often. And then the, the freeing thing in, is that in that is we get to say it for our whole married life. We've been married 22 years. I know there's people in the room who've been married a lot longer than that. The beauty in it is you get to say, hey, I've never, this, you're the first person I've been married to for 50 years before. You're the first person I was married to for 70 years before. A couple in our church is celebrating their 70th. And uh, how beautiful is that? How awesome is that? So pray a prayer of blessing over them where they can hear, kind of pray for their day, just simple. Uh, and then pray um, for their weaknesses. That's not out loud. Um, that's between you and God. Um, you could do it out loud. But what we're describing is when you're not with them, um, taking their needs that maybe they're not even aware of to the Father. Um, what was that? Yes, thank you. Their walk with Jesus, uh, that it would be growing. And again, I'm trying to give you simple some language to use, because if you've never done this before, I'm sure it sounds super overwhelming, but you could even use the, the stuff we've been talking about, like John 15, 5. Lord, would you help Jackie abide today? If you can't remember the word abide, because that does sound pretty churchy, hey, will you help Jackie just sit with you today? Jesus, will you let Jackie just adore you today to keep her eyes fixed on you today? So you'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. The more you do it, you'll, you'll get better. Um, but we met with a couple, just a couple of nights before we came here. Uh, they've been married 16 years. And when we talked through this part with them, they're both Christians uh, in church. Um, at one point he had surrendered to ministry uh, he's not in ministry right now but he, he had surrendered to ministry felt the call of God on his life and uh, just life happened and, and he's, that's not happened yet and uh, when we talked to them about this they've never prayed out loud uh, for, for, they've prayed over meals but never out loud for each other and uh, I said will y'all do it and he immediately said yeah I'll start in the morning before I leave for work I'll start in the morning and we asked her will you do it and I appreciate it or not lying. She said, I don't know. And we're like, well, why, why would you not? I mean, knowing that, you know, this is your number one other, knowing this is your number one neighbor, knowing that God created you to be this man's helpmate for life, why would you not? And, sh and she said, I've just never done it. It's kind of embarrassing. I don't know what to say. And again, I just tried to give her words. I said, just pray this tomorrow morning. Jesus, keep Chris safe today. Amen. I said, Chris, would that matter to you? And he goes, yeah, it'd mean the world to me. And uh, so actually I texted them uh, when we landed uh, here Thursday and uh, said, how's it going? And he said, it's going better. And I said, has she prayed for you? And he said, yes. He said, she's done it every day since we left your house. He said, but she still says it's the most awkward thing in the world. And I said, she'll get better, you'll get better, and it will make a difference. But it was, it was a, such a blessing to him and, uh, and God is using it. So I, I can not just tell you from our testimony, even others who have just started doing it within the last week, and it's making a massive difference for them. I want to share Proverbs 4.23 with you. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, watch over your heart. Diligently guard it, because from a sincere and pure heart come the good and noble things of life. And that's really what we're talking about, is not just guarding your heart, but, but helping your spouse guard their heart, praying for their day, but also praying 
for their heart. And on the prayer for forgiveness thing, um, I think that that's something that we can also model. We should be quick to say, I'm sorry. And we should also be quick to say, I forgive you. Two powerful words, obviously. I'm sorry, unless you don't know what you're sorry for, and then it's going to get you in trouble. But if you really do know what you're sorry for, those can be powerful words. But I'm not convinced that they're any more powerful than the, the three words that the other person can say to you, which is, I forgive you. And I know that Jackie does this a whole lot more than I do because uh, she's got a whole lot more to forgive than I do. But I know that when we're apart and we're praying that for each other, praying for um, each other's walk with the Lord and praying forgiveness, that's the whole neat thing about it is there are things that Jackie has forgiven me for that I don't even know she's forgiven me for. I don't even, I didn't know that they were issues between us because she's giving them to God. She's casting all of her cares on him instead of casting all those cares on me. And I'm doing the same thing. And um, I just, I think that it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus does for us. When he forgives us, he actually tells us in Ephesians 4.32, uh, Jesus says, forgive as I have forgiven you. Again, we're talking about a perfect forgiveness, kind of like Ephesians 5 with this love that we're to have for our wives. This forgiveness is the same way. It's a perfect forgiveness, which we're not going to obtain, but that should be what we're going for. And we should be um, battling against bitterness um, in our hearts. Yeah, and forgiveness doesn't make the other person right. It just sets you free. And so as you stay in a posture of forgiveness, you're also guarding your heart against um, resentment, bitterness, all these things that will produce the kind of fruit you don't want to produce as a believer. Yeah. The other thing that I try to do as I'm praying for her and praying with her um, is give her the benefit of the doubt. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but like we give the benefit of the doubt to people that we barely know. Like Jackie and I are giving you all, the, we're, we're assuming a lot as you all are sitting here. We're giving you the benefit of the doubt that you know a little bit about what we're talking about. Because if not, we'd have to exegete every passage of scripture that we're talking about. We'd have to tear every passage of scripture apart um, go back to the original language, what was the context, who was Paul speaking to, who was Jesus speaking to. So we, we make a lot of assumptions. We give the benefit of the doubt that y'all have a, an idea of these concepts and themes as we share this. And you guys probably made some assumptions. You're giving us the benefit of the doubt that we're not going to speak heresy, that we're not just going to make up some stuff as we go along and tell it to you that it's stuff that we are living out. It's things that we've experienced. It's things that we're doing or at least that we're striving for. Um, but I've noticed that with our spouses, we don't do that. We'll give the benefit of the doubt to strangers. We'll give the benefit of the doubt to actual neighbors, those who live on our street. We'll give the benefit of the doubt to coworkers, but we're skeptics when it comes to our own spouse. And maybe it is because we know each other better than we know anybody else. Um, and it kind of puts us in a weird situation because we do know, and we don't know everything about all of those other people that I described. So I find myself a lot saying, give her the benefit of the doubt. Believe the best about her and not the worst. But a lot of times in the marriage relationship, we actually believe the worst. We don't give the benefit of the doubt. We assume the worst. He meant to hurt me this way. She meant to hurt me that way. Um, instead of saying, you know what, I don't think that's what she meant in, in, in our head. I don't think that's what she meant. We're like, oh yeah, she meant it and she turned the knife. You know, not only did she stick, she turned the knife. She wanted to wound. 
And so one way we practice this is through the lens of viewing people either through the flesh or the spirit. So um, I literally like go through my day in my life like and assuming like people, you're either a believer or not a believer. If you're not a believer, all you need from me is love, grace, and mercy. Like there's nothing else I need to give to you. You just need to know the kindness of Jesus. That's what draws people in. So you don't need my judgment. You don't need my opinion. Um, I just need to be able to pour, be pouring Jesus' love on you. If you're a believer, um, now, and obviously you don't always know, but you can tell people by their fruit, the scripture says, but if you're a believer or claim to be a believer, I can tell where your heart is like this. The Bible talks about it in James, um, that your mouth, out of your mouth, your heart speaks. And so um, most of the time, we try to keep what's going on inside to ourselves, and we don't realize that our mouth deceives us and it tells on us. And so you can tell where someone's heart is by their actions. Is their actions flesh or spirit? Um, and if it's a flesh action, if it's out of their flesh, and the Bible lists a bunch of different flesh weapons that we have, um, then all they did was show you where their heart was. And they didn't mean to, and they didn't know they did because they would be embarrassed. Because hmm. um, we, we work really hard to pretend like we're something sometimes that we're not. Um, and so if it's a, so if Keith's, has had a bad day at work and he comes home and he kind of, you know, I, I'm a tone of voice person. Like, you know, you can be like, excuse me, like, don't say it that way. And he's like, I'm not mad. I'm sorry. Well, your tone tells me something different. Like I just tone of voice is a very sensitive thing to me. So, um, so if he's, if he is acting in a way that I know is just not who he is, um, then immediately I'm like, something's going on in his heart. Like, Obviously, he's had a bad day, or someone said something, or he's struggling with something. And so instead of take that offense and then own it, and then now I get to be mad, and it gives me an excuse to be, to be the ugly side of me, to be human, um, I now get to step in that space and pray for him in a way he doesn't even know. Like, he doesn't know I just saw what I saw. So it's having spiritual eyes for your spouse and for other people around you. And you wouldn't believe how freeing it is to not take offenses everywhere you go. Um, but to be able to say, like, man, something's going on in your heart, and to intercede for that person, and then you literally just give it to the Lord, and you get to be part of someone's healing process, and they don't even know that you are interacting. Um, I, can be, I can do this at Walmart. I can do this at Target. I can do this with my spouse or my children. And so um, there's something very freeing about being able to love people in that way and allow them to be human, um, but not allow it to help to to destroy your heart and to, for you to own stuff and let things take root that, that, that the Lord would not want. Yeah, not only are you giving the benefit of the doubt, I mean, you're giving grace, which is what you're describing. You're giving grace. And I think the only way for us to give grace the way that Jesus expects us to give grace is when we remember the grace that he's given us. Um, when, we, when we understand at any level the grace that we've been given, it makes us want to give that kind of grace, um, undeserving, because um, most and people don't ask for it. And we're assuming that you guys know, but we, I do want to say it out loud. Like, we're not talking about, you know, if you have a spouse that's violent, you know, you don't be like, I can see their heart. I can feel their heart because they just slapped me. Like, we're not talking about just giving that to Jesus. Like, you ask for help. You get someone in to, enter, to come in and, and give mm -hmm. you some help in that space. So, we're not saying that you stay in an abusive relationship. We're not saying that, that you let people 
um, treat you poorly. Walk all over you. Yes, that's where you need to have someone else come in and help you with those kind of things. Mm -hmm. This is more just the daily grind that most of us find ourselves in. The daily walk, which is hard. The daily walk may be just as hard because kind of like what I described yesterday with Miles, um, when I started asking myself this question, what if this is forever? What if nothing ever changes? Well, I'm, I think people find themselves in the marriage relationship asking that same question. What if this is forever? What if this never changes? Um, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, it will change if all of us do our part. If we walk with Jesus, if we keep our eyes and our hearts fixed on him, and we become, not even, I'm not going to say husband or wife, we just become the men and women that Jesus wants us to be, then we'll have the marriages that he wants us to have. I just believe that. I'm, God's been doing that for us. So I, I can only share testimony. I can only share experience. And again, Jackie has seen it more than I've seen it. Um, but when she has prayed specific things for me that I, didn't even, I did not even know she was praying, and God began to answer those prayers. And then I get to hear her, like in situations like this, talk about it. Um, when she has seen God change my mind on things, change my heart on things, change my attitude on things. And it's been, it's been an amazing journey. And then the final thing um, that we pray for each other, and um, I'm sure, I don't know for a fact, but I, I'm assuming that Pastor James has probably spoken on this in his time with y'all, but the armor of God. But, and the reason I say that is because I know that um, I can remember even when James and I were in college talking about the armor of God and the importance of the armor of God. And uh, as an eighth grader, um, our youth pastor, I was on a camping trip with our youth pastor, and he, he talked to me and the other guys that were on that camping trip about the importance of the armor of God and um, taught us on that camping trip how to pray that over our lives and in our lives. And as, so as an eighth grade boy, I started doing that. Um, I got away from it. In college, I started doing it again. Uh, got away from it. And then as a youth pastor, as a young youth pastor, um, one of the deacons in my church in Missouri took me to lunch one day and asked, um, do you ever pray on the armor of God? And I was like, well, I used to as an eighth grader. And I kind of told him the story about that camping trip and then in college and uh, he encouraged me to do it and encouraged me to do that for my family. So I'm going to read uh, some passages from Ephesians chapter 6 to us this morning and for us this morning. And then I'm going to tell you kind of how I do pray that over our family. Um, Ephesians chapter 6. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm, stand firm therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, 
with all prayer and petition, pray all the time in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And it goes on, but for time's sake, here, here's what I started doing as a youth pastor in Anderson, Missouri, I guess 18 years ago. Um, and everybody has their system, so I'm going to probably share more with you than you want to know. But this is my system. So I've already told you that Jackie and I pray for each other every morning uh, before we leave the house, before we leave for work. I've already prayed a lot of prayers by the time we get there. Um, what I do every day while I am in the shower is I pray the armor of God on on my own life. And here's how I don't forget. I had to come up with ways because I forget stuff. I mean, even as a pastor who knows the word of God, I forget stuff. So while I'm in the shower, I pray on the armor of God. And I do it while I'm putting shampoo and the little bit of hair that I do have. While I'm putting on the shampoo, I put on the helmet of salvation. And again, for time's sake, I'm going to have to buzz real quick. But I basically not just thank Jesus for saving me, but I pray, Lord Jesus, would you guard my mind today? Would you guard my ears today? Don't let me hear things that I'm not supposed to hear. Don't let me see things that I'm not supposed to see. Would you protect my eyes? Would you protect my ears? Would you protect my mind? My mouth is also part of my head. So I pray, Lord Jesus, don't let me say things today that I shouldn't say that wouldn't honor you, that would tear people down and not build them up. Then I work myself down the body hello forgot that i had that on uh the breastplate of righteousness i asked the guard ask the lord to guard my heart uh to protect my heart to keep my heart sensitive to him and to my wife and to my kids working my way down to the belt belt of truth lord jesus help me to be a man of truth today give me integrity today let my yes be yes and my no no because your word says everything else and anything else is from the devil. And I don't want my words to be from the devil. I want my words to be from you. So let me speak truth today. Let me live truth today. Lord, keep me safe from doing something stupid today that would cost me my marriage. Let me be a one-man woman. Let me keep my eyes, if they're going to be fixed on any woman, on only my woman. Uh, as I work my way down, cleaning the rest of my body, the feet. Lord Jesus, would you help me get my feet ready to take the gospel of peace to the world today? Would you put lost people in my path today so that I can share Jesus with them, so that I can speak truth to them, so that I can be kind to them? And then uh, I take up the shield of faith to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. We know, again, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, John 10, 10, we have this enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy, wants to kill our marriage, everything good in us. I'm in ministry. He wants to kill my ministry. He wants to steal my ministry from me. He wants me to be out of ministry. So knowing that, i got to take up the shield of faith. I ask the Lord to build my faith that day. And let me be a warrior for him and then the word of God. And I, that's kind of a weird one because I don't take my Bible into the shower with me. Uh, so I just act like I have my Bible in my hand and I say, Jesus, I know that I have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Thanks for giving us the word of God. There's people all over the world that don't have the word of God and you let us have it. And we don't read it the way we should. We don't memorize it the way we should. We don't meditate on it the way that we should. But God, today, would I set time aside to do that? So from at first, as you can tell, it's all about me and my relationship with Christ and claiming the armor of God, which, by the way, we have. We got, the, we got the armor at salvation. I pray it this way as a reminder that I have it and that I can claim it and that I can live by it. And then I say, in Jesus, I pray the same thing for my wife, Jackie. Today, would she remember that she has the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth? Would she ready her feet with the gospel of peace? Would she take up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit? 
And Lord, you know, I got this college kid down there at the University of Arkansas, and I have no idea what he's doing, but I'm trusting you that he's doing right, that he's choosing right, that he's being right, that he's living right. God, would today you let him claim the helmet of salvation, the breastfeeder. And I pray it for all of my kids, including Miles, uh, who has not made a personal decision for Christ at this time that we know of. Again, he doesn't have language, so maybe he... Maybe he has. He's definitely heard about Jesus. He knows Jesus loves him, and he knows Jesus is the only way to heaven. But to the best of our knowledge, we don't know that he has made a decision for Christ at this point. But you better believe I pray the armor of God on for miles. And that's, again, another practical thing that you could choose to do. You could pray for your spouse every day out loud in a way that they could hear you, even if it was kind of like our friend Diana Jesus, help Jackie not be in a wreck today. Amen. Hey, start there and build on that. Pray for forgiveness when you're apart from each other. Pray for their walk with the Lord. Pray that you would keep a soft heart towards them, a tender heart towards them. And then praying on the armor of God for yourself and for your spouse and for your children. And I promise you, this is one of the promises I can make. It will make a positive difference in your marriage. Anything you want to say to wrap that up? Because I know we got to send them on. Do you want to say anything to them? Or? Yeah, cool. All right, let's give it up for Keith and Jackie. Thank you for helping us learn to pray. But we are going to move to our breakouts right now. And so um, you need to hit the restroom and do that on the way. But if you're going to go to Marriage Wreckers, that is in 310. And so uh, if you're not familiar with our layout here, there's staircases on either side of the hall that's behind me. And so you can go either way, but Marriage Records is on the third floor on this far end. So it's a big room up there. And if you're going to Love Is with Les and Marlene, that's on the opposite end of the hall, third floor. So you can go this way and go up. And then if you're going to the Love Language class, that is going to be in room 202, which is straight behind us in the middle uh, of the hallway. So uh, after the breakout, um, we're going to start back here at 1045. So... You are dismissed.